Welcome to the Crypto Law Podcast, where we bring you weekly audio blogs or discussion on the interplay between the law and all things crypto. This is a quickly developing area and we can't wait to have you along for the ride. Please remember that the information provided is the opinion of the presenter and is not legal or financial advice. With that, let's get started. Welcome to episode 11 of Web3 Crypto and the Law podcast. And if you followed us for a while, you see we changed our name to better reflect that we're talking not just about crypto, but also about Web3. So Web3 Crypto and the Law is where we can be found on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Medium, and now also on YouTube. We're going back to putting these audio blogs onto YouTube so you can find it there. And we should have some guests lined up to be joining us the next couple of weeks. So in addition to the audio blog podcast, we'll also be having some more uh, discussion with other people in the industry. So thank you for letting me get that introduction out of the way, and let's get started. Episode 11 of the Web3 Crypto in the Law podcast, the foreshadowing of digital asset regulation, the White House's first comprehensive framework for the regulation of digital assets. So on September 16, 2022, the White House released its first comprehensive framework for the regulation of digital assets. And we're just going to call this the framework going forward. Although this framework does not create any new laws, it does foreshadow an inevitable regulation matrix that is certainly going to be coming for the digital asset ecosystem. And if you remember back in March of 2022, President Joe Biden came out with his executive order on ensuring responsible development of digital assets. And we'll call that the executive order. Our comments on the executive order, uh, we've blogged on that before, podcasted on it, so you can check the search engines to find that. And I'll try and link it down below as well. But in the executive order, President Biden tasked various government departments and agencies with studying digital assets and developing a framework for their regulation. Now, in response to that executive order, about six months after, the White House has published the framework. And again, the framework doesn't create any new laws, but it does outline the recommendations of these government departments and agencies with respect to the regulation of digital assets and gives us a glimpse of what's to come. So again, foreshadowing where these agencies are going with regulation. And the actual framework will be linked down below as well. So the recommendations. The framework's recommendations are broken down into seven different areas. I'm going to go through those in order. So first, protecting consumers, investors, and business. And second, fighting illicit finance. So under these mandates, the government highlights the volatile price of digital assets and the propensity for scams and fraudulent activities in the space. In order to address these concerns, the framework encourages regulators in the digital space to aggressively pursue investigations and enforcement actions. Similarly, the framework encourages the, encourages the issuance of guidance and rules to address risks in the digital asset ecosystem. And through these steps, the government is focused on both educating the public and stabilizing the ecosystem by decreasing the number of bad actors in the space. Now, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out in question. And if regulators will focus on pursuing larger players operating in, in the gray area of the digital asset space, uh, as we see with the SEC against Ripple XRP, uh, and the question of are these token securities, are they not? You know, that can be the focus of the regulators. 
or are regulators going to focus on more of the clear cut scammers, the clear cut fraudulent actors doing the, you know, the rug pulls and the like. You know, personally, I like to see more of a focus on pursuing the scammers, people doing the rug pulls, you know, the objectively and clear cut fraud cases. I think these actors are really undermining the market and to a large extent preventing it from achieving a level of legitimacy beyond just those of us who are, are fans of Web3 and crypto. So I like to see them focus on that as opposed to, you know, worrying about whether something's a security or not. Third. Third point was promoting access to safe, affordable financial services. In this section, the government acknowledges that the current financial model does not work for everyone and that it's costly and slow. And I don't think you need to remind us that the current system is costly and slow and doesn't really work that well. And so in order to remedy this, and with respect to the digital asset ecosystem, the government is pledging to back research into digital asset ecosystems to ensure the usable, inclusive, equitable and accessible to all. As part of this, the president is going to consider recommendations to create a federal framework to regulate non-bank payment providers. And this seems rather vague, but I think we can assume that it's tied to points one and two above. And it's another example of the government looking to bring stability to the ecosystem by really focusing on those bad actors. Fourth was fostering financial stability. In highlighting the need for stability, the government focuses on the May 2022 fall of stablecoin. Um, use the word stablecoin as you will there. Uh, Terra USD and the subsequent $600 billion crash, according to the framework. Uh, in order to combat instability and bring order to the ecosystem, the government is committing to work with financial institutions to bolster their capacity to identify and mitigate cyber vulnerabilities and to support agencies in identifying, tracking, and analyzing risk in the digital asset ecosystem. And again, these strategies seem to be lacking specifics, but I think we can read into them to mean that projects will be facing increased scrutiny, and as is currently proposed for stable coins, they may have to pr pr provide a proof of backing. So it's not just enough to say, my coin is stable because here's the math, you may also need something to back that stable coin. And I know there's some talk about that going on um, at the moment. Fifth, advancing responsible innovation. And sixth, reinforcing our USA, global financial leadership and competitiveness. In discussing these areas, the government states that the USA is a leader in innovation, the global financial system, including with respect to digital assets, and that it intends to maintain this position. In terms of innovation, the government will be backing research on next generation cryptography and will provide technical assistance to U.S. firms developing new financial technologies. In terms of its international leadership, the framework states that the USA will be using its international stature to communicate its position on digital assets to other international players and to work with these players. For Web3 and crypto fans, I think this is good news, as the USA has a clear desire to continue to be a leader in the financial system and in the digital asset ecosystem. Uh, and this means that the U.S. is going to take these areas seriously, and it's not going to stifle projects. It's going to help them to, to be innovative, to grow, and so the U.S. can keep that number one position that it has in his mind. You can argue if you want with it, um, because it knows if they don't take that number one position, someone else will, and they could be losing out uh, on a real leadership role. Seventh, exploring a U.S. central bank digital currency, CBDC. 
In the framework, the government recognized the potential for a digital form of the US dollar as a means to achieve all the other goals that we've talked about. And although the government states that further research is needed before the implementation of a CBDC, it does list the goals and objectives of any potential CBDC. These goals being to protect consumers, promote economic growth, improve payment systems, provide interoperability with other platforms, advance financial inclusion, protect national security, respect human rights, and align with democratic values. So the U.S. government seems uh, sees the value in having a digital dollar. So what does this all mean? What's the conclusion here? Well, as the regulatory framework draws nearer, and although the devil's going to be in the detail, we know that, I think the framework gives us a glimmer of optimism. If the U.S. wanted to squash the digital asset ecosystem, it's not going to commit to spending money on research, next-generation cryptography, or sharing new technologies with firms developing the next generation of financial technologies. Further, the government seems to recognize that they aren't a leader in the space. Someone else would be more than happy to step in, take that position, and all the benefits that come with it. So again, time will tell, but I think what the framework does is it highlights that the U.S. government is taking the digital asset ecosystem seriously. It wants to be a player in this space, and I think it's going to be an exciting time uh, coming forward. So that's everything for today. Uh, please feel free to send us your comments, like, comment, share. Is there anything you'd like me to speak about as it relates to Web3, crypto, and the law? Let me know. Happy to do that. Have a nice day. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Crypto Law Podcast. If you enjoyed it or found it informative, please like, comment, or share. And of course, if there's something you'd like us to discuss, please leave us a comment below or reach out to us on our email. Thank you again for listening, and we can't wait to bring you next week's episode.